Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I mentioned that God is a God of the second chance. Remember? And I mentioned that God is a God of the second chance and the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance. And God is a God of unlimited chances. And that is one of the many things that I love about God is that he doesn't give up on us. God doesn't um, um, turn his back on us. God doesn't um, turn his back on us when we fail. When we fail, God, in his love, he gives us a second chance. You know, one of the comments, someone once wrote this, and I I love this, and and I have it on the screen for you because I love it so much I want you to see it. And we don't know who the author is, but they said this. Redeeming people is what God is into. He is the finder of directionally challenged sheep. That would be you and me. The searcher of missing coins the embracer of foolish prodigal children. His favorite department is, what says, lost and found. If there is one way that human beings consistently underestimate God, it is perhaps in his loving longing to forgive. Our God is a God of forgiveness and forgetfulness, and God doesn't say, if you failed, you're finished. Don't you love that? I do. I think if there's anyone who would say amen to that, it would be Moses. If you were with us last week, Wednesday night, you know that God showed up in a burning bush and God told Moses to take his shoes off because he was standing on holy ground, remember? And God said, I've seen the affliction of my people and I've come to deliver them. And then God says, Moses, you are going to go to the Pharaoh And go to my people, and I'm going to use you, Moses, to bring my people out of Egypt. And it was at that time, listen to me closely, it was at that point that Moses began to offer a series of excuses. Take your notes. Excuse number one. Moses said, I'm a nobody. Oh, you'll find that in chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Moses said, I'm a nobody. Now, remember, God had just said, if you were with us, you know this, that God had just said, I will be with you. And then Moses replied, who am I that I should go? And God says, Moses, I will be with you. You see, 40 years ago, he thought he knew exactly who he was. But now, after spending 40 years on the backside of the desert with the sheep, Moses is now saying to God, excuse number one, who am I? I'm a nobody. Excuse number two, Moses says in chapter 3, verse 13 through 22, Moses says, I don't know your name. I don't know your name. 
He says, when the people ask, what is the name of the one who sent me? What am I to say? And God said, tell them, I am what saints that I am. You see, this is what you're to tell them. I am that I am. Well, tonight in chapter four, beginning in chapter four, we actually come to the third excuse. The third excuse is no one will believe me. We'll find that in chapter four, verses one through nine. Exodus chapter four, we'll read verses one through nine, then we'll come back and um, we'll have some comments. Exodus chapter four, beginning in verse one, saints, if you're with me, say amen. Then Moses answered and said, but, circle that, would you? Moses is something else. I'll tell you more in a minute. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is it that is in your hand? And he said, what, saint? A rod. Would you underline verse 2? And he said, God said, cast it on the ground. And so he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses jumped back. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand, and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Well, furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom or put it in your robe. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, God said in verse four, seven, put your hand in your bosom again. And so he put his hand in his bosom again and he drew out, out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. And then it will be if they do not believe that pay close attention here. If they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the second sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs, so listen or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land. And the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Now, keep in mind here, this is important to keep in mind. Get the scene. Moses is still in Horeb. And the bush is burning. Remember, it's earlier in chapter 3 that Moses, the Bible says, that he hid his face when the bush was burning. So we know that Moses was probably lying down. Now, remember, he's offering all these excuses, and he's lying down while he's offering these excuses. So the bush is still burning. The bush is still blazing. Moses is lying down or kneeling before the bush. He's still making these excuses. And this time, the third excuse is no one will believe me. God told him to go to the people and tell them that he is going to deliver them. Notice Moses says in verse 1, but... But, now listen, this is never a good thing to say to God. When God says something, you never say, but. Kids, teens, this is never a good thing to say to your parents. Parents, say amen. amen. 
Yeah, that sister, she really liked that, didn't you? She's like, hey, man, don't, you yeah, not but. That's never a good thing to say to people. It's never a good thing to say to God. So Moses is lying or kneeling, whatever the position, before God in all of his glory. And he says, but, you know, it's almost like Moses is saying, you know, Lord, think about this. It's almost, you know, it's like, I mean, can you imagine Moses is like laying there, kneeling there, whatever. And he says, God says, you know, go to my people, do this. I want you to do this. And Moses is saying, now, God, you need to think this one through. <laughs> That's kind of the idea of this word, but. Like, God, when you know, maybe you haven't thought it all through yet. Maybe you haven't worked out all the details. This is never a good thing to say to God. So Moses says, they won't listen And you would think if God appeared to you in all of his glory and and said to you, you know, go, that you would say no problem because it's God telling you to go. Moses is saying, listen, God, you need to think about this. They're not going to listen to me. And Moses is saying, God, I believe you, but we're going to have to do more than that. In other words, Moses wasn't believing God's word because when God says something, all of his promises are yea and amen. God cannot lie. Moses is saying, God, you're going to have to do better than that. In other words, God, your word is not good enough. Man, this guy got some chutzpah. (laughs) Would you agree? And God, get this. At that point, God says, okay, Moses, I'll give you three signs of my authority. Three signs of my authority. Sign number one, the sign of the rod. Look at verse 2 again in your Bible. God says, Moses, what is in your hand? Now listen, God doesn't ask Moses what's in his hand because God doesn't know. God asked him what was in his hand so that Moses could know what was in his hand. God wanted Moses to know that it was a rod in his hand, that it was a shepherd's staff in his hand. It was a shepherd's staff. And this shepherd's staff was a constant reminder, watch this, of Moses' failure and inability to do things on his own. Instead of the scepter of Egypt in his hand to rule the kingdom, now it's a shepherd's staff. And later, God calls it the rod of God. You see, see, Moses is going to learn that what's in his hand, listen, can be used of God to accomplish great things. So with that shepherd's staff now, we also learn that those 40 years on the backside of the desert spent with the sheep shepherding the sheep were not wasted 40 years. That God is going to use those 40 years. So God says to Moses, God says, Moses, what's in your hand? You know, God is always asking his servants, what's in your hand? David, what's in your hand? A slingshot. Good. Let's get some giants. First Samuel 17, 49. Samson, what's in your hand? A donkey jawbone. Good. Let's kill some Philistines. Peter, what's in your hand? A fishing net. Good. Let's go fish for men. Matthew, you know, was a recorder and a tax collector. Matthew, what's in your hand? A pen. Good. Let's go write some stuff about the king of the Jews. 
God's always asking what's in your hand. Little boy, what's in your hand? Lunch, two fish, five loaves of bread. Good. Let's go feed a bunch of people. God's always asking what's in your hand. And see, sometimes, you know, we see what's in our hand as small and insignificant, don't we? Oh, we do. You know, well, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have education. I don't have a Mercedes. I don't have a big house. You know, I don't have Bible college under my belt. All I have is this little rod. And God says, that's all I need. I just need a little. You know, somebody once said that God takes little and he makes it much. Little becomes much when you place it in the hand of God. Little becomes much. Whatever you have can be, listen, mightily used of God. Whatever you have can be mightily used of God. Whatever is in your hand, use it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. If you write, then you write for the glory of God. Don't let Satan take your gift that God has given you and use it for the glory of the world. And that's what happens a lot. You know, there are some great secular singers out there, great secular musicians out there. And you know, a lot of them came right out of the church. Did you know? Half of them were brought up in the church. No matter what church, whatever church, they were brought up in the church. But what happened was they took what was in their hand and they used it for the glory of the devil instead of using it for the glory of God. And then people look at the music in the church and go, oh, it's cheesy. The music's cheesy. That's because the people that God has gifted has taken their gift and used it for the glory of Satan. Don't use what God has put in your hand for Satan's glory. If you write, then you write for God's glory. Poems, songs, whatever, you always write for the glory of God. If you sing, you sing for the glory of God. If you cook, then you cook for Pastor Rodney. And where'd that come from? No. If you cook, <laughs> then you cook for what, saints? For the glory of God. You do whatever it is you do. You do it for the glory of God to build up the kingdom of God. Take what's in your hand and use it for God's glory. And notice this, Moses, what's in your hand, not what's in your brother's hand. You know, a lot of times we want somebody else's gift. We want what's in their hand. God, I want to use for your glory what's in their hand. God says, no, that's not what I gave you to do. Do what you do for the glory of God. Listen, the rod that was in Moses' hand, check this out. This rod that was in Moses' hand, remember he was a shepherd for how many years? Forty. For 40 years, he had this rod in his hand, and he had become very familiar with it. It was probably, this rod was probably worn. Smooth in certain spots. He knew exactly where to hold it and where he needed to use it. He knew this rod, but he didn't know this rod. 
He knew this rod, but he didn't know this rod. He didn't know that this was the same rod that was going to turn the Nile to blood. He didn't know that this is the same rod that was going to part the Red Sea. He didn't know that this was the same rod that was going to bring water from a rock and quench the thirsty souls of God's people. He didn't know that. He didn't know that this was the same rod that would be raised up over Israel in battle and that would bring victory. You see, he thought it was a dead stick and it was going to bloom and it bloomed. We know from numbers or from uh, uh, yeah, numbers that, 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 that this rod bloomed and it brought forth almonds. See, he knew this rod, but he didn't really know this rod. He didn't know the future of what God was going to do. So God told him, take the rod and cast it down. And notice when he cast it down, it became a serpent. Now, keep in mind, this rod was probably anywhere from six to nine feet tall. So when it became a serpent, that to me means it became an anaconda. Charlton Heston got it all wrong, man. When he threw that thing down, that was a serious snake. I can't even say it. I hate him so much. I can't stand snakes. Have one purpose for me, and that is a pair of shoes or a belt. <laughs> say amen if you agree. Amen. I have got no use for snakes. I can't stand them. I mean, they just, they just give me the creeps. I mean, I think about it. I've got chills. You, you should feel me right now. I've got chills all over me, man. Snakes, i got chills on my head. You could probably see those. I mean, look, look. Ooh. That thing became me. It was huge. I mean, really. I mean, it was just huge. So God says, Moses, reach down. Get this, and you probably already know this, don't you? Reach down and grab it by the tail. And you already know you never grab a snake by the tail. Why? Because you're probably going to get bit. So you never do that. But Moses did it. And I think I see a glimmer of faith on Moses' part at this point. It's just kind of right there. Moses says, okay, God, I, I, I can trust you a little. He does it. I see a little bit of hope, if you will, in Moses. And he grabbed it, took it by the tail. The Bible says it became a rod again. And Moses probably looking like, cool. That's tight. That's cool. Now, another thing you want to notice here before we get to the second sign, what you want to notice so far in the Bible, get this, we've seen several miracles in the Bible from Genesis to Exodus. We've seen several miracles. Lot's wife became a pillar of salt. Enoch was translated to heaven. We've seen several miracles, but get this. This is the first time that a human being does a miracle in the Bible. The first time that God uses a human being as it relates to doing a miracle in the Bible. Sign number one, three signs of God's authority. Sign number one, the sign of the rod. Sign number two, the sign of the leprous hand. We just read that in verses six and seven. Moses is probably standing there checking out the rod, blown away. God says, Moses, take your hand and put it inside your robe on your chest. And he did it. And when he took it out, his hand was all rotted. 
and it was leprous. And then God said, do it again. And he did it again. And this time it was made as the other flesh or made whole. And God said, it shall come to pass if they do not believe you nor listen to your message, the message of the first sign, then they should believe the second sign. Now get this, pay close attention here because this is very interesting. Each of the first two signs have to do with conversion. Conversion. Something good and useful, a rod and a hand, is converted to do something evil, a serpent and a leprous hand. And then they are both converted back. Very interesting. They both have to do with conversion. Here he takes, now, now, now here, you know, I, I think, and, and what this means, I mean, m- many scholars have their speculation. I'll, I'll give you mine. Here's my speculation of what these two signs are indicating or what they mean. I think that God is speaking to Moses in the first message. He says, Moses, if you obey me, I think this is what God is saying in the first sign, the first message. Moses, if you obey me, your enemies will be made powerless. In the second message, I believe God is saying, Moses, if you obey me, your pollution can be made pure. It's very possible that Moses was struggling with these two areas as he was in the wilderness with his enemies and with purity in his life. It's very possible. So God is saying, listen, Moses, I have the power to do the impossible. Moses, I have the ability to make things pure. Yes, you blew it, but I can make you pure again, again, God giving him and confirming in him that I am the God of a second chance. And I can do, Moses, for you what you cannot do for yourself. Interesting. The third sign, the sign of the blood from the river. Notice now the Nile River, if you know your Bibles, you know that the Nile River was deified in Egypt. In other words, they worship the Nile in Egypt. God says, Moses, use this third and final sign, and if they don't respond to the first and the second sign, then use the third and the final sign. In other words, Moses, do the first sign, do the second sign, and only if they don't respond to the second sign, then you're to use this third sign. And you want to notice the third sign is simply a sign of God's judgment. Good and pure water is made foul and bloody. And note, it doesn't convert back. In other words, if miracles of conversion didn't turn their hearts to God, then hopefully judgment will. Which teaches us a very important principle that the Bible says. Judgment, the Bible teaches. Judgment only comes when people refuse to believe even in the face of miracles and conversion. I'm going to say that again. Judgment only comes, God only judges people. This is a principle taught in Scripture. God only judges people when they refuse to believe miracles and conversion. Then God judges. God gives man every opportunity to repent of their sin. Thank you, two people. God gives man 
every opportunity to repent of their sin. Now, mind you, I did not say repent of their sins. I said sin. You see, man wants to talk about their sins, what we do wrong, the bad things we do from day to day, our sins. But the Bible tells us that no man goes to hell. Watch this. No one goes to hell because of the bad things that they do. No one goes to hell because of their sins. Every man will stand in judgment and be sentenced to eternal damnation because of their sin. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.